Welcome to the Career Fluencer podcast. This is David Carlin. I'm a consultant currently based out of Geneva, Switzerland. I work with people around the world to help them plan for the future and think about what impacts climate change is going to have on them, their communities, and the world overall. So what I wanted to be when I grew up, uh, I think has changed a bit. If you first asked me, probably when I was playing Little League, I would have said a professional baseball player. Uh, Unfortunately, I wasn't actually that good at baseball, but I definitely always had these dreams of being a professional athlete. I picked up golf when I was uh, about nine or 10 and was really into that. And I, you know, thought about being Tiger Woods, except that I'm, uh, I'm a lefty. And um, so my, my swing would be the opposite of, uh, of most people. Ironically, the sport that I ended up being quite good at, uh, which was cross country and track was never a sport that I had really thought about being professional. But I think a lot of that sort of professionality or desire to be a Olympian or pro athlete has a lot to do with this kind of dreaming, this, uh, this ability to imagine yourself on a big stage or imagine yourself be making a big difference or big accomplishments. And so I guess it wasn't really that big of a surprise that uh, in my, my elementary school yearbook, I think I had shifted from being a professional athlete to wanting to, uh, to be president. And that was my, uh, my childhood ambition uh, to grow up to be uh, to be president. And I think it was a little bit of a similar thing, but now taking away the physical attribute and getting to that sort of the desire to be the center of things, the desire to be on stage, the desire to be doing what seemed like big things, especially for a kid. My senior year, when I realized that I had to get serious about work, I think I was in a little bit of a, uh, a, a Peter Pan phase, if you, you know, know the, uh, the, the phrase, I, I, I don't want to grow up or I, I won't grow up. And I really, uh, I had studied abroad the spring of my junior year in Rome. I loved it. I loved being there. And I think it was a major come down returning, uh, returning to campus and recognizing that I sort of had to start a job search. So I spent a lot of time just thinking instead about how to get a job or do what, figure out what I wanted. Instead, I had this real view and real fantasy of wanting to go live in Rome and just be a writer. And I applied to teach English at all of these uh, British and American schools in Rome. I never heard back. I applied for a bunch of uh, fellowships. I got into a bunch of the uh, later rounds for many of them, but didn't end up getting any of them. And it sort of left me at the end of fall semester just being kind of somewhat embittered and frustrated and I remember arguing with my parents that I really didn't want to work in a traditional job. And what sort of uh, recognition or realization came to me uh, in the beginning of the spring semester was I wasn't planning on applying to graduate school, which was sort of one of the other outs. And so I needed to think about different jobs. And what what I did was I started calling alumni and asking them about their jobs. And in a lot of cases, I realized I had missed the boat that a lot of recruiting had happened in the fall. But I also just realized that this was a super valuable way to hear about just way more jobs probably than almost anyone else would have because you hear what all these different people are doing as well as all of the jobs that they've had before. So 
to me, that was a really useful thing, but I think it was one that I had done very grudgingly. And I was still, I think, not really sold on the, uh, the whole workforce and having to work. I think it was, uh, was something that felt like a real change from my academic life and from uh, what I had just done when I had been studying abroad. So uh, really, even that first year of work, I remember kind of keeping this fantasy of just, you know, running away to Rome. And uh, I I think that that was uh, a tough transition for me. But that realization came a bit later, perhaps for me than for most uh, during my senior year about, oh, well, I probably do need to, to have a job. I think one of the key decision points in my career was uh, when I changed jobs for the first time and I moved uh, from Pittsburgh back to New York where I'm from and I took up a job as a management consultant and at the time I had been working at a bank um, doing uh, quantitative risk modeling and I've been also doing research in social psychology, behavioral economics and I thought I'd probably go to graduate school and this was a really interesting experience because to some extent uh, in my job before I had been kind of the golden boy, uh, I was the first undergraduate the group had hired. And so people were a lot older than me, had a lot more experience, and there was an element of being taken under their wing. Whereas when I came uh, to, to be a consultant, I was really thrown into the fire with a bunch of other people of similar age, uh, and I was also exposed to a work environment that was a lot more fast paced and also a lot more roll up your sleeves rather than kind of the, the theoretical and the distance of the academic or the repetitiveness of doing similar tasks within a bank. This was really a challenge. And I, uh, I came into the first consulting project in the first, say, four weeks, I think were quite good. I had a lot of good ideas. I shared my thoughts on how we should do things. And I wasn't coming in just as a really junior person, but with a couple years experience. And then it really all fell apart. And I realized that I was terrible at consulting and I was a really, really bad consultant. And I made every kind of mistake. I had the wrong margins on my slides. I sent an email to the client with typos. I created code that didn't run properly. I, uh, stayed up for hours trying to upload data, which could have taken 10 minutes had I thought about it. So there were so many different places where I felt like I was just screwing up. And I was really at this point, both worried and frustrated. And I I, I think it it taught me a lot. And it, it is an important realization that a lot of times people think of learning and learning is a really good thing. And it's a it's a great thing. But a lot of times learning is painful and other times it's just downright scary. And I think sometimes if you're not afraid, if you don't have a feeling of doubt, can you do this? Can you learn this? Then maybe you're not really stretching yourself enough. And so I was not a good consultant my first project. And I remember getting the feedback uh, from a a manager on the project as we sort of mercifully wrapped up the, the thing where he said, David, there's nothing you've done that convinces me that you won't be a great consultant. And I felt like that was the most faint praise somebody could possibly give someone else. And yet at the same time, I think I really did keep an upbeat attitude in front of the team. And I did really show that I was willing to work hard. And to me, that was a big, important departure because I felt like a lot of my life to that point, I hadn't been necessarily skating by, but I always was kind of interested in doing the least effort way of doing things. And this was really an element of 
I'm actually not more skilled than most people at this particular task. So I need to put in more work. And I think that that realization, that ability not only to show that you can push yourself, but also to show that you can surmount a task, sometimes just through brute effort, was really useful. And over the next few years, as I became a better consultant, that experience, I think, gave me a lot of camaraderie and a lot of uh, ability to have empathy for new consultants that I managed and others in my life who had projects and had jobs that didn't work out or had issues uh, that were challenging for them. So I think that was just a major, uh, major turning point to do something you're bad at and master it. I think it's, it's really powerful when you, you don't run away from those tasks, but you either leave them on your own terms or you, uh, you surmount them. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that transition was one that uh, I didn't think would be so fraught, but really, uh, really was. I speak to my parents a lot and I would usually call my dad and he would ask what's wrong. And I would begin listing a, you know, a dozen things that I was unhappy about this date. And I was unhappy about what was happening at work. And I was frustrated because I was injured when I was um, trying to run and I was bored and nobody was calling me back to hang out on the weekend. And I didn't know why I couldn't motivate myself to, uh, to do the writing that I wanted to do. And very often we would sort of peel this back and it would be, there's really one problem, one issue that is driving this. And I think the sooner you can identify what you're stressed about, it's easy to list all the things that are bothering you, but usually there's one kind of prime mover. There's one thing that gets that spiral going and identifying that I think is really important. Uh, And as far as what I do about it, I'm, I'm still not great about this. I, Sometimes we'll try to meditate, uh, but but to me, exercise is really my meditation and specifically um, being out in nature. So doing a really long hike or a long run. Uh, I remember one time in San Francisco being really stressed out and just trying to run until I was happy. And the first few miles, I just didn't even want to keep doing it. And I kept going and you really feel these physiological changes come over you. And I think also just being out in nature really is a, a massive reset button. But I, I think all of that is really great. But truth be told, one of the biggest things to me as far as how to conquer this is to really get some wins, get some things done that you need to do. Right now I have just a, a frightening list of things I need to do over the next four days. And it, and it is stressing me out. And yet when I conquer a task, when I finish something, there's such a feeling of pride and such an energy that I get from it. Sometimes if I want to go to sleep, I'll intentionally not quite finish a task because I'll feel such a rush and feel such enthusiasm from doing it that I'll just kind of keep going. And so I I might stay up till 3am if I do something and then I want to do something else. And so I think productivity begets more productivity as well. So I, I do think that having physical exercise in my life is a major restorative force being out in nature is but I, I think that the doing and the making and the creating is a massively important part there's if, if everything feels like it's a mess at least you know beginning to to clean your room is a, a good first step and so I, I definitely do that I there are lots of things I love to do I love to read I love to bake you know some people are procrastinate bakers and that that definitely is me but those things don't necessarily make me feel better they're more things I do to avoid the tasks that I have to do. And I think either being out somewhere where I can really 
really be out in nature and be exercising or really be in a place where I'm able to knock out the pieces of work that I need to do. Those are the things I think that give me a feeling of either a reset in the first case or just the energizing satisfaction of completing the task. So I think one of the things that I'm most proud of that I, I worked on that's maybe on my resume, but buried pretty far down there because it was a long time ago was, uh, was work I had done as a uh, volunteer in college with a, not, with a nonprofit in Westchester County. And it was really helping the program organizer to come up with a more effective way of fundraising and a more effective way of delivering curriculum to the students. And in a lot of ways, I think that was incredibly meaningful because not only did this woman become a really dear friend of me and my family, but also I think in a lot of ways it crystallized and captured a lot of the things that I had grown up believing in and grown up caring about, but never really acting on, say, when I was in school. And so this, this idea of being socially active and this idea of putting your talents to work even when I had very few talents and even when I had very few skills, being able to deploy them, I think that was really important, but it was also massively humbling. I think when you're somebody who is hardworking or relatively uh, intelligent, you kind of have this view that you have a lot more knowledge and a lot more to provide than you actually do. And so to me, recognizing how big certain systemic challenges are in our society, recognizing how little and insignificant I felt um, standing next to them, and realizing that just because I went to a good school and just because I was uh, able to show a different you know, methodology or work on something, that I really didn't have the final answer. And I think that having that humility that there are a lot of smart people, there are a lot of people that are smart in different ways, there are a lot of big challenges and the world is complex and the things that we face are complex. So I think that that was a really both humbling experience to realize how little I knew and how nowadays as I have more skills and more to give, I'm able to much more effectively deploy myself. But I think also that awakening of really caring about a particular, uh, action in a particular community and not just doing something because it was the work to be done, but because you believed in the mission. And I think that you find that in varying degrees across your career. You may find that sometimes when it comes to a particular job you have, you may find it in volunteering work you do, you may find it in a relationship that you have. But I really think that things that give you meaning, being able to deploy your talents toward them, I think is a particularly valuable and really a, a uplifting task. And it's, it's important in my mind to not get too far from that, even if it isn't a direct part of your professional work, but is something that is sort of your service or your action in the world to both make things better, but also to recognize yourself, what role you play. It's not just about your career. It's not just about your day-to-day -day task, but about some bigger purpose. So I think that that's work that I certainly don't necessarily bring up in each interview, but I think had been really um, something I'm really proud of and something that in a lot of ways reflected uh, the way that I was raised. What, what helps me feel more positive, thinking back to when I was in New York and working, uh, and I would go for runs in the morning, and it wasn't just the running. I think that that is valuable, and 
physiologically, it's, it's to me quite important to have that consistent exercise and outlet. But what I really found uh, just that I enjoyed the most was just really feeling like I'm learning. And sometimes I feel like I'm overwhelmed by it. I just, you know, I can't listen to this audiobook now or I can't read. But to me, just acquiring new information or learning from someone else just is a really almost almost a warming feeling that I feel within me. So like I'll I'll bike to work nowadays and I'll listen to an audiobook or a podcast about about energy or about climate. And to me just I I feel so filled up with different different ideas and different knowledge. And to me what's exciting is you can kind of become become knowledgeable or drive away your ignorance in such a easy to manage way in a lot of ways you know, with audiobooks and with the internet and with so many modern technologies, we have this ability to just be constantly learning. And I just, I love each new fact that I find out that, oh, this is something I didn't know, or that's something that's new and, and wanting to share that knowledge. I think that that's one of the other big things that really makes me feel, uh, makes me feel happy and positive is that, that role of teaching. I think despite the fact that I didn't become a teacher a lot of the work that I do is teaching and instructing, whether it's instructing more junior people, whether it's sharing knowledge I have about a given topic. Uh, and so I think it's a real pleasure not only to, to learn and learn from people, but also to share what you know and kind of have that, that ability to take the excitement that something brings you, whether it's scientific or political or historical or economic, and inform someone else and let them have that same experience. So it's, it's kind of like how people like to talk about a movie after they've seen it and, you know, go to a book club. It's why we do those things. And, and, and I particularly enjoy that and sharing my, my perspective, but also just the joy of, of knowing something that I didn't know before. So uh, I, I think I try to do that a lot. And maybe I do that in some ways over the last few years by listening to a lot of audiobooks and reading a lot more perhaps more than other people but i think that's one of the things that i'll sometimes think like ah this is like the best uh, part of my day